Good day, good afternoon. The two consistent podcasters have returned. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I'm not, I can't apologize anymore because I, now at this point, I feel like I clearly am not sorry. I thought I was sorry, but I keep doing it. So yeah, I'm not sorry. You're not sorry. It's not easy. Quarantine, quarantine and podcast with, you know, no consistency of childcare, staying out late during the summer. It's just not a good recipe. It's Sorry. also when you live in when you live in a deprived um, state like we do, a sun deprived state, when you have like 10 weeks of sunshine basically all year and they all happen at the same time. It's very difficult to pro- to be inside for any oh, length for of time. Oh, for sure. And we're making excuses. I mean, we're making any clear excuse excuses. Is legitimized. Yeah, but this is a great excuse. Episode 40, 42, I think. Yeah, 42. We're 10 away from what we said we'd do. And then we'll be done. And then. <laughs> see you later on we're to actually, the next podcast yeah now we're 10 away um yeah you know what that that's gonna be interesting um the podcast has been fun we've gotten great feedback we've enjoyed it we're 10 episodes away from what we said we were going to do and um i don't know if we're gonna keep going we haven't really decided that yet I'll be honest, this is just out of the goodness of our heart that we do it, and yeah. it's fun, but we don't out make of money the at this. goodness of our heart for you. <laughs> yeah, why, why are you doing it? Yeah. No, I mean, for the people that are listening. Yes, yes. We're doing this. This is a gift. It's a gift. of course you want to hear our thoughts on anything that we want to talk about. Yes, it's a free gift, and we always would want it to be free to you guys, but like, you know, it would it would be a little bit easier if... There was like a financial proponent just because it it is time consuming and it yeah. costs us like time, energy and money to do it. So and if someone would edit it, that'd be awesome, too. Totally. That'd be really that'd be see, great for me. Personally. So if you love us, please plug yeah. us. Tell your friends we yep. need like more listens would help so much more reviews on Apple would be huge. If you listen on Apple Podcasts. that's a, like a really big deal. Or if you want to send us some cash. You can Venmo me at Adam <laughs> Kyle, K-A-I-L. Yeah, or Leon and Son gift cards. We'll yeah. take that. Yeah, we'll take that too. Speaking of that. We need to talk about that. What? They launched a nonprofit Ful- today. Fulton Street Fellowship. Yeah. Go ahead. Do, do you, you go ahead. Fulton Street Fellowship um, is a nonprofit started by Chris and Christina Leon and some of their cohorts in the wine industry. And they're making a nonprofit that is going to help black people get into the wine space because it's a very white space right now. Yes. Either get in or advance your career, become more well-known. That's the whole purpose and point of it. And it's also because we need you in our, we need you in a space that's like white dominated. We need like black people and people of color um, definitely to create like other aspects and voices and avenues and tons of different things that you can help us with. Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to post it, the link to their um, website on our show notes. Please just go on there. There's a lot of things that are fighting for your time and attention right now. This is something that's that plays into what's going on in our culture. This is an actual organization started solely to help um, people that are black that want to get into the wine space and give them an opportunity to do that. And this is one of those things, too, where I hear all the time, and, and I can be guilty of this as well. I've worked really hard 
to um, not have to do this, but I do hear all the time from white people, like, I just don't really know what to do. I'm, I'm just like, I want to change. I want to be better. I want to help. Yep. Um, th- these are ways you can do it, right? Here's a nonprofit creating an avenue for people to better their their career right. if they want to be in the wine space or get more education and all of that. This is a way that you can help. You can support somebody who's already sort of really put a lot of time and energy into it. You can be a supporter. Right. hundred percent. So we're going to link to that as well. Um, we've also had some big changes in our house since we last podcasted. <laughs> One is literally on our podcasting table right now. <laughs> so about a week and a half ago, um, almost two weeks ago, our, our eldest cat, who's only two years old, really tragically died. Yeah, it was super sad. We think she got poisoned or something. Yeah, we think maybe somewhere outside she got into poison. It wasn't yeah. ours. We have kids and cats, and we're very careful with that kind of yeah. stuff. But somewhere... In our neighborhood. In our neighborhood, she got in, we think, something poisonous. And so she was fine about 10 o'clock, and then by 11.30, she was basically... Like having seizures, and then I took her. To, we took I took her to the hospital, and by twelve thirty, she was gone. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so sad and traumatic. It was really sad. So and we loved her. She was the sweetest cat. Her name was Silver. Let's cheers to Silver on the pod. She would like that. Salute. She, she probably actually was on the pod. You probably heard her. There's probably a few cat noises that I didn't edit out back in the day. Aww. Anyway, point is this. So. We had to tell our kids, which is the hardest thing you can do. I mean, it, I mean, sorry, let me take a step back. There are much harder things to do as a parent than that, but it's yeah. hard to watch your kids encounter grief for the first, like real grief for the first time. Which like this could be a life lesson. Like if you're going to have kids, don't have pets. If you're going to have pets, don't have kids. Just yeah. do that. Just yeah. don't do that. It's awful. It's it's literally horrible. It is bad. They they will just randomly cry about the pet that died. It's, it's so sad. Yeah. So we had... So we, so silver die, we told the kids the next morning and, uh, one of Beth's, one of our friends, but one of Beth's friends on Facebook, um, found kittens at their, at their lake house. And the mom, she, the, the mother kitten, the mother cat of the two kittens basically abandoned them or died or something. They don't know where she went, but she left. So they took these two kittens in for a couple of weeks and we're trying to rehome them together. And so they got a lot of people interested in the cats individually but they were like yeah. no we really want them to go together because they are best friends yeah totally and they're really close and so we saw this and let's just say we went from a cat we went from in three days we went from having two cats to one cat to three cats yep. and we adopted these two little yes. homies yes there's it's a boy and a girl they're about 10 weeks old now the boy's name is bronco and the girl's name is philly and they're yeah. here and we love them. They're very fun. So that's what's new in our life. Um, okay, so we are going to finish up this... Uh, coverage of 13th. Coverage of 13th. Which is a documentary on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, it's an absolute must. Yep. Um, if you're supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, this is a fantastic watch. If you don't understand the Black Lives Matter movement, this is a fantastic watch. Right. So it's going to help you either way. Um, you must, must, must watch this documentary. So if you're, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you're probably going to want to stop right here and go listen to it because it's going to make a lot more sense. Um, but if not, you can just go along with it for the ride. So Beth, why don't you continue us where we left off? Okay. So we ended, um, last 
not last week, but our last episode, um, with this kind of stat saying like in 2014, we now have 2.3 million um, people incarcerated in America. And then we open in this sort of real transitional part of the documentary. Um, and we cut to a picture of Trayvon Martin being shown. And I think a lot of people um, kind of forget about him. Like you hear his name a lot, but a lot of people forget what actually happened to him. He gets sort of lumped in with like a police violence shooting. And that's not exactly what happened here. Yeah. But he is such a good example of how a black person's life can be so dehumanized and have no rights. Mm -hmm. So he was essentially stalked by a man named George Zimmerman. And this man thought that um, Trayvon, who was 19, I think. 19 years old. And he, he honestly, he looks so young. Like his pictures look so young. Mm -hmm. He's not a big guy. He's he, he's just he looks like a really sweet kid. He's being um, followed by this like sort of neighborhood watch vigilante yep. guy, George Zimmerman. And and he calls 911 and he actually says his quotes are he's got his hand in his waistband and he's a black male. These assholes, they always get away. And the operator is like, are you following him? And he goes, yes. And they say, we don't need you to do that. Yeah. And then you hear somebody calling for help. She says, is he saying help? You can hear somebody say yes. And then you hear gunshots. And George Zimmerman goes to trial. Right. And what happens? Well, I mean, I don't know if you can guess what happens, but he's found not guilty. And the reason he's found not guilty is because of this stupid Florida. And I say this, I say this intentionally florida is a stupid place yeah with florida, stupid leadership you put yourself in there the news are, there all yeah, the time there are some good people and i have great friends live in florida but the majority of people there and their leadership and their laws absolutely blow and we should let florida go except for miami let's yeah make let's miami, save miami let, Lauderdale let, too, let, just by default yeah the, if we could turn that into sort of like a Hawaii type of situation, like fly, yeah, yeah. take a take a boat. So let's cut off. Let's cut Miami and, Flor and Fort Lauderdale off. You stay there. The rest sink of Florida, the rest of it. Sink it and yeah, sink it and or send it to Europe. Yeah, no, that's Europe. Let's just float it out. That. You let's know what? We'll just float it out. Let's float it out. Float, we'll it. float it out. Okay, <laughs> so see we're, where it ends up. We'll see where it we'll see where it goes. So that part, if especially Louisiana, Alabama yep. happens to get chunked off and taken yep. with it, we're okay with yep. it. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, they have this law called stand your ground and stand your ground basically says if you are feel, if it, you feel like you're being threatened, you can quote, stand your ground and kill somebody because this is ba -da -ba -da -ba -ba America and you deserve to defend yourself and AKA that's... follow, follow a black kid and shoot him. Yeah. Your defense is completely up to the person. Yep doing the killing essentially yeah which makes no sense you guys but that's literally what happens and so this is a fun transition into who wrote the stand your ground law it was an organization yes shockingly enough and now we learn about alec but they wanted to be a man and i'm like you know again <laughs> it makes sense because a lot of men have done a lot of shitty things you mean the name alec yeah well, yeah, I mean, but like, no, honestly, it, no, it stands for American Legislative Exchange Council. Yeah, but, but like, I don't know if Alex, the name you go with, though, if you really want to be a man, like Alec is not really a it's a man's name. It is a man's name. But is it? It is. 
But is it? It makes sense that it would be named after a man. I'm not disagreeing. The, you they could have thought of a they could have thought of a more manly man's name than Alec. I've never met an Alec that I respect. An Alec ever. For sure. My point is that again, men are doing terrible, terrible things. White men. And now yeah, it's white men. They create an organization of white men and name it after a white man's name. For sure. That's my point. Fair. And Fair I'm point. like, in, as soon as they said Alec, I was like, this is not going to be good. So let me explain what Alec is. Alec is an organization that essentially is a branch of, is a wing of, of Congress. And here's how you have to think about it. They write legislation. They have members of, the members of Alec are all Republicans for the record. So almost all, almost yeah, all. Basically. There's like two or three Democrats historically that have been on it, but they, Alec writes the legislation Alec then hands the legislation to the legislators and says, get this passed. Yeah. Alec also pays these men, these well, congresspeople. Yes. They're it's a, very. They're also a lobbying group. There's, there's literally no, no sense in which you could say that, like, here's an idea. Huge corporations and politicians should be in a group together to create laws. Yep. And that is exactly what this is. Well, and here's the other thing, too, about Alec is it's funded by major, like you said, major corporations. Yeah. So major corporations created this nonprofit or this sorry, this lobbying group that basically writes laws and then the Republican and there's still there's they interviewed a guy to, uh, that's in Congress today. That's a member. That's like a member of Alec. Oh, yeah. I'm really proud of it. Well, no, he is. He is in the Maryland state. Yeah, the Maryland Senate. state Senate. Because I was like, who is this oh, that guy is the worst that yeah. guy was the worst i was like who is this one that's really bugging me yeah we'll get to him like we're gonna put a pin in that and get to him yep but I, go table I, it. I googled him because i was like i need and i was like oh just the maryland state senate of course you're in yep. alec you're like exactly. not doing anything yeah. and maryland come on you guys can do better but can you you should you can and you should maryland is two things great crab cakes and football Name that movie. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite movie. I've never not died. Okay, go ahead. Okay, okay. So really quickly, let's wrap up what Alex does. So here's the thing. Alex, Alex takes shits, puts them in bags, and hands them to minorities and says, this is your lunch. That's what Alex does. Essentially. Yeah. Yes. While selling it for like $2 million. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, no, but, but Alex actually been around for almost 40 years. So it has garnered a lot of power and... A long time ago, many, many, many corporations were were a big part of this. Can I guess one? Is it Walmart? Yeah, there's a lot. Google I was. I know. And, and you know what? They keep showing this thing where corporations fade away. And I was like, Google, sweetheart, you're hanging in there a little too long for me. I, I like you most for the most part. But this, this is bothering I'm me. I'm not a big Google guy. They, they stayed in very long, longer than Walmart. You know what's interesting is Walmart got out, but you know who stayed in? Google. No, well, yes, but you know who stayed in when Walmart got out? Google. Do you know who else stayed in? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Walton family who owns, own, who owns Walmart. Yeah, they, well, they continued to donate. So Walmart pulled out, but the people that own Walmart still funded it. Yes. So what does that tell you? That they love it. Yeah, because they literally buy Congress people. So here's how it actually works, Adam. They, all these corporations would send a representative to these meetings with actual politicians, and then they would vote secretly with a ballot all of them, even the corporations, got to cast a vote for what they wanted the politicians to introduce as new laws. It's time to leave the country. That's literally what they did. It's time to go. 
Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's time to go. That's not, this is not a republic. It's not a republic anymore. That's it's not. so crazy. Elected officials are being bought on the reg legally. That, that would be like saying at a school, what gets to happen is 20 of the richest families get to send their oldest kid into the boardroom and they also get to say, here's what I care about and vote on it. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. You know what makes more sense than that? Nothing. Not one thing makes more sense than what you said. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's what's happening. And now we're going to find out about some of uh, the laws that they've created that have actually just directly benefited their corporations. One being stand your ground. Because that benefits the NRA. Gun sales. Yes. And we find out that, that Walmart sells the most long guns in the whole U.S. and the most bullets in the world. Yes. So directly benefiting Walmart there. They're not. Quick sidebar. When we were in Breckenridge a few weeks ago, um, I went to Walmart to get fishing lures because we were staying on a river and we fished a lot and caught our lunch a few times, which was fantastic. Uh, and I went there and the lure section was right next to the gun section at Walmart. Yeah. And one person was looking for, he's in his, and I quote, any kind of bullet. And the what? guy, the work, the salesman go, he's like, do you have any bullets of any kind? I have tons of guns. I can't find any bullets. And he's like, no, we've been sold out of bullets for days. We don't have another truck coming for another week and a half. Ew. The entire, the entire bullets. Any at, kind of bullet. Yeah. At Frisco Meyer. Sorry. Frisco Walmart. Same. Meyer's in the Walmarts. The Waltons. Whatever. Tomato tomato. But still like. I mean, gone. I take offense to that. I find the Waltons to be very much worse people than the Meyers. Peter but, Meyer. They're not, neither has me like wooed in any way. I'm not swooning. Well, like the Myers. Have you swooned a little bit? No, I'm not swooning. Just because you like Meyer. Okay. So the Stand Your Ground Act even requires, here we go, that Let's a go. jury be told that a person like George Zimmerman has a right to stand his ground if he feels that he's being threatened. That's in defense. But it doesn't include any requirement to tell the jury that a person like Trayvon Martin, who was killed, has a right to stand his ground. Right. So the standard ground act says you have to tell the jury that George Zimmerman had a right to do this. Yeah. You have no choice. No. But you don't tell the jury that Trayvon Martin had any rights. So the jury feels like they can't convict him. Right. Right. And this is what we call. And this is when, when you'll, I mean, it's, you see it online all the time. People that say there is no such thing as systemic racism. This is that. This is that. This is that. These assholes, they always get away. Where, like, George Zimmerman immediately was saying, he was basically saying, I'm going to take this upon myself because I don't have faith in the police to handle this the way I want it to be handled. Whereas, like, I want this black person to be dead. Walking down the street. And he's smug. You see George Zimmerman in court. You see his face. He's like a little smug little baby boy bitch. For sure. I hate, when when this whole thing went down, I got really angry. When, because I watched, I mean, this is, just several years ago, but I it was just just watching him and his like saying like what this has done to me and his like when he would be quoted in the press like how he would victimize himself. He's he's not a good person. I mean, it. I guess like we know he's not a good person. The real disheartening part about all of this is that he could get away with it so easily. That's yeah, that's what's legally. yes. So after this happens, people are naturally very upset. Bent be the word super bent they are protesting alec and they're protesting alec directly which i'm thinking like 
we haven't really been talking about Alec no. anymore and we need to be. We should make a podcast just anti-Alec. We really, we really should because that would clear up so much stuff for yeah. like. Can we, we can, sync Alec? Can we sync them? Me and you? Sync? Just like figure out a way to Oh, S-I-N. I was thinking of S-Y-N-C. You're such a techie. I know. I was like, um. You're my little techie. Uh, I was like, on the fly, I can't figure this out. <laughs> 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 like I wish I knew you were going to ask me that so I would know. Um yes, okay. Adam, we can S I N K them no problem all. Sink them like the Edmund Fitzgerald. Sink them like the Titanic which happened gonna, on my birthday. I wasn't going to say that. Before What's that the other reason, thing? <laughs> What's the other thing that we figured out uh, just the other day that was on my birthday? Did a nuclear bomb get dropped? No. <laughs> <laughs> Something bad. I think Hitler died. Hitler was born. No, we checked that one. He was born two days later. Yeah. Oh. A lot of bad things have happened on April yeah, 12th. Yeah, don't have a baby on that day. It's not a good, not not many redeeming. There's one redeeming thing about April 12th. Me. And I'm looking at her. Aw. You're a sweetheart. Hey, we're married for seven years on Sunday. So. Nothing it's a big but moment. wedded bliss. Um, actually, Adam, you've been a great quarantine partner. I love hanging out with you. I That's love true. hanging out with you too, babe. That's okay. true. Hamilton reference. So people are super upset and, and corporations actually start to leave like Walmart fake left yep. and continue to donate fake left. money. Their they family like, continues to donate money to it. So now after a lot of these corporations leave, we see that there's some new corporations that probably are getting a little bit more say because they're still in it. And this include cor- includes corrections corporation of America, CCA. So now gotcha. they're getting their vote skimmed right to the surface and guess what they're in favor of massive incarceration oh so this is back in like the late 80s early 90s so we're kind of overlapping we already talked about the clintons but this is sort of happening at the same time all this stuff with alec is sort of happening at the same time so private prisons are really being started in the early 90s yep and they make contracts with states and in order for the state to protect their investment we learned the prison is required to stay full even if no one is committing any crimes or is only committing minor crime, they're incarcerating people yep. because the prisons have to do it to keep their contract with the state. They have to, they which have makes to. this process seems like there's no possible things that could go wrong. It makes so much sense. Yeah. It's there's no flaws. So these private prisons were another big contributor to the prison population growth that we saw during the late 80s and early 90s. These contracts Again, like we're seeing three strikes and you're out, mandatory minim- minimum sentences laws. Both of those were proposed by Alec. So like Clinton certainly gets a rap for it because he was in favor of it. But like the politicians who brought those bills to Clinton and yeah. proposed them as law was through Alec. Yeah. And Clinton loved himself some crime. <sighs> loved. He talks about crime every in all, every state of the union. Yeah. More police, more police, more police, more police, more police, more police, more police. And now Hillary Clinton's like, we need reform. Yep. We're going to put a pin in that, too, because well, we're going to get to this that. This goes back to Clinton being the president of Reagan's America, and Reagan ran on law and order. Yeah. And so Clinton is trying to piggyback, even though, like, I mean, he'll admit wrong, some kind of wrongdoing now, but, like, even not, even that, like, he was like, he he played this card to stay popular. But if you really cared, which you don't, because you... You don't care. You figured out how to become the Democrat who could mask, like, yep. get the Republican vote, too. That's yep. that's that's what you cared about. You would do everything in your power to change what you have done. And you have a lot of power. You He's, have a ton yeah. of power. He's very popular. And you're not, you're not doing it, so no. you don't care. 
So the CCA is now a multi-billion dollar industry bringing in $1.7 billion a year, and it has shareholders. They have no incentive to see any prison reform. No. They're just not incentivized to it. They're a for-profit prison. People having profitable stakes in people going to jail. Think of it in those terms, Mm because that's what it is. Right. The more... The more the hotel is full, the better business it is for you. The more money you make. 1,000%. How is this fair? Also, like, let's define good behavior when you're incentivized to be stuck in prison. Please tell me. How you're... do you define that? Yeah. If, if the people that watch you who work under the warden, who works for the person who controls the prison and presents profits to the shareholders, they all know that the, your main job is to keep people in there, what is good behavior? Right. You're not going to get anything. And the other thing to think about, too, with this is that who's paying the CCA? Where does that money come from? It is taxpayer dollars. I know. Going to this private company that are, in fact, going <gasps> into people that own this company, which are shareholders. I know. Also, I think, Beth, if I'm, I am been married to you seven years and two days, if I know you, you're taking this to say that the this is a argument to release Sirhan Sirhan, Bobby Kennedy's killer. Is that true? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's where I would have taken it if I was telling the story, <laughs> because no. I don't think he was hypnotized and he should be let out on good behavior because he's been he's a great he's been fine. I will need to dive further into your conspiracy theory on this guy before I don't. I actually do not know, but there's not enough evidence to convict. And anyway, we should do a sure whether he did it or not. They needed somebody. That's for sure. They He's definitely some. somebody. He could have done it. He may not have done it. They were the going to get somebody. Shows, they weren't just going to be like, we can't find anybody. The video shows Sirhan Sirhan shooting Bobby Kennedy in the front, but she, Bobby Kennedy was shot from the back. Yeah. That's, how, what's his, how, is, that, how yeah. is that not a bigger question? Sure. I, I hate to say it, but he has a very Adnan Syed like reply to it where yep. he's like, I just don't know what happened. I can't remember. You finish but, this. But I'm the gonna problem go, is. I'm going to go yell outside about this because I'm getting very angry thinking about it. <laughs> how do we, how, how is the guy shot in the back of the head? Shot in the back. And the guy that in the front is the guy that gets, is in jail for the rest of his life. And he was only yeah, like know. 17 years I old. I, I know. Okay. You finish. I'm going to go yell in the garage. Okay. I'll be back. Oh, okay. And here we go. So now we cut to what I have in my notes as this dumb bitch, Michael Ho. <laughs> I don't know how to say his name, but I feel like that's yeah, what I'm going to say. Yeah, it's H-O-U-G-H. It's Ho. Yeah. Michael Ho. Oh, he's a dumb little baby boy bitch, isn't he? Uh, oh, he's awful. And the thing is, I'm like, he must be so power hungry, whereas like any publicity to him is good publicity because he literally looks like the worst piece of garbage in this documentary. I mean, it's like at one point they're cutting between him and another talking head and he's literally saying like... Alec is great and she like says something and debunks it and he's like Alec would never do anything to yep. like not care and like hurt other you know people and she like debunks it and then he's like Alec this and she like debunks it and I'm like he looks like the yeah. world's biggest asshole right now. He'll just be like I, 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 I haven't heard that. He's like it's really just a smear campaign and um, he calls it it's it's just almost folklore. <sighs> You know what's folklore? No, sweetheart. Do you know no, what? No, sweetheart. There's fol- more than 2 million people in prison, honey. That's not folklore. Do you know what folklore is, Beth? Taylor Swift's newest album. Ooh. Have you listened yet? No, I you want to. Yeah, I do too. I need some real alone time for that. Same. So, Alec passes SB 1070. 
which is a law that says police can stop anyone who looks like an immigrant. Oh, this is stop and frisk. No, no, no. It is. But it's not because you look violent. It's just if you look like an immigrant. That's what stop and frisk was, too, though. Yeah, but that was because of like gang related stuff. Well, this is because we're going to surface. This is because we're going to incarcerate. Sure. Okay. I'm not. I want to be very clear about this. I am not in favor of stop and frisk. I think there was other ways to handle like how violent New York City was. Yeah. But it is true that New York had a major (laughs) violence problem. It was like super scary. Right. Like people did not let their kids go into the city. Our friend David even says when he was a kid, his parents were like, you're never going into the city. Are you, are you kidding me? Exactly. So it did have like, I don't agree with it. I think something should have been done differently. I do agree there was a problem and at least they were attached. Right. Although it did target people of color unjustly. That's the real, real issue with it. Yep. And it allowed them to do that, which is what they wanted to do. But this one, this law literally says police can stop anyone who looks like an immigrant because the CCA wants to lock up people that are illegal immigrants. 100%. So I want to talk about this for a minute because this makes me like super ragey. This is worth $11 million a month to the CCA. A month? Yes. To keep people incarcerated. Peyton Manning money, man. Eleven million a month to keep people incarcerated. Pat Mahomes money, actually. And the the, the reason I want to talk about this in particular is because with all the things that we could be upset about and and lock people up for, I I really don't understand like locking somebody up for illegal immigration, and they they do classify it as like a detention facility, but it isn't. It's just a prison. Yeah, it's prison. And I just like I I agree there should be like laws and you should enter a country in like a proper way. But at the same time, I'm think that doesn't make me so mad that I want to put somebody in jail. Yep. Like, do you really believe that people are entering into America in an illegal way just to be jerks? No. Yeah. Come on. They're not trying to break the law. They're not. That's not their goal. They're not trying to cut corners. They just want in. The only corner they're cutting is because they want something better and to be safe. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's interesting that this isn't a thing anymore because this is like the least safest place in the world right now. Yeah, totally. So that's one thing. Here's the other thing. When we stayed in, we went to Marco Island, I think in Florida, like two years ago. Was that last year? Was that last year? At least two years ago. Two years ago. We went there and I looked it up. Their 2016 voting, they were one of the most Trumpiest counties in the whole state of Florida, but also in the country, right? Like the person that came to clean our pool, the other, I saw tons of other workers that were similar, barely spoke a lick of English. You're telling me that these people are citizens? No, they're not citizens, but they're being used by people who voted for Trump. For sure. That are... Full-blown immigrants in our own neighborhood, which our neighborhood is mostly probably Trump people. I don't know, but I would guess. Like, the majority of our yeah. neighborhood is probably Trump. There are a lot of people's roofs being worked on right now that are all Mexican crews. All of them. Mm-hmm. And they're benefiting from they're benefiting from illegal immigration. Yeah, I agree. But on the flip side, the other thing that really bothers me about it is that it, this is like taxpayer dollars to have the police go out 
and stop people that look like an immigrant, which I mean, come on, can you really define that? No, you just want to stop brown people and you're calling them immigrants. This goes back to episode one of our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't, you can't truly say you can hear our cats fighting our kittens or kittens. You can't truly say that somebody looks like an immigrant, but they will say that to stop. I mean, only brown people are going to look like immigrants. Yeah. But my point is like that's taxpayer dollars going towards that and then taxpayer dollars to incarcerate them. And I'm like, shouldn't we just spend that money and get the guy who like makes millions of dollars and uh, finds a way to avoid paying taxes? We should. Wouldn't that make us just as much money? Yeah. Probably more. We don't make any money on this. Just the CCA makes money. No, we make no money. It's insane. I know. Not anybody. Like our government doesn't. Our government just just selects few rich people. So annoying. Anyway, we get reminded right here from a talking head that Trump is one of those people who has repeatedly said this is so damaging, you guys. This is why what you say matters and why media matters and truth matters. He has repeatedly said Mexican people are criminals, rapists and murderers murderers and that some of them some are probably good people he that that was his narrative that he ran on yeah what do you think that makes his supporters think it's so wrong it's incredibly wrong mexican people are all these bad things and some are good i'm sorry i personally haven't met any bad mexican people i have only met ones that i enjoy and love and have had a fantastic time with. I really don't get stuff like this. And we've spent a considerable amount of time doing business in Mexico. Yes. We have a lot of contacts down there. Uh, Mexican people are amazing. They're yeah. so loving. They're so nice. They're so kind. That's the best business trip you can take. Go it's to Mexico a, for a week it, for work. Fun. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Um, Definitely going to want to bring your Advil on that one. Going to be hung over. Bring the Advil. And then also you get to do Mexico in a non-touristy way. Because your clients are taking your your suppliers or whatever are taking you around, it's amazing. It's very fun. Um, okay. So now we're back to Michael Ho saying that Alec only does economic policy and doesn't get involved in social like, issues anymore. He's like Alec is a great thing for this country. It's yeah. Well, we had it's a total so yeah. So in two thousand seven, we pretty much decided to scrap yeah. everything before yeah. two thousand seven, and um. We're starting over. We're starting guys. over. So whatever Clean we did, slate. whatever didn't pass is great. And just so you know, um, most people are born with 10 million in their bank account from their daddy and their mommy like me. And I get it. And that's just how this life works because, um, you know, this polo was paid for on the backs of slaves. And I'm also but not I'm afraid. I'm also not afraid to be the only white person on this entire documentary who's not supporting what this documentary is about. There was one other white there lawyer is, and he's like, it's a fallacy to say that there was any kind of discrimination and any kind of race. And it's just a fallacy. No, there's a few white people, but he's one of the only ones. Honest, I mean, there's not a lot of white people and I and I don't really think this is an issue that white people need to be leading like the narrative on because we haven't experienced it. But of course, he's one of the white ones to be like, this is not a big deal. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he tells us uh, more co- corporations leave. We find out. And he's like, you know, we're not really getting involved in social issues anymore. Just economic policy. And really, we're 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 going to jettison, in his words, everything pre 2007 yeah. and start over. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I'm like, you know what, though, sweetheart, those laws passed. Yeah. You can't jettison laws that you put into yeah. effect. And you can't jettison three strikes and you're out. You can't jettison minimum sentencing. That's he, th- Sweetheart, 
those laws are sitting there, so don't give me that. Don't he's tell me that. He's also not admitting any wrongdoing. Oh, no. He's not saying they did anything wrong before 2007, but he's also saying we're starting over. Right. It makes no sense. So here's what they're doing. They're going to totally rebrand themselves because these little babies, they are thieves in the night. They are laying in the grass waiting. They are right. snakes. Um, so now what they're going to do is they, they are very much in favor of prison reform. They want to privatize bail and parole. And so instead what they really would love to see happen now moving forward, because the CCA is, is dying. It's not on the board of Alec anymore. Alec isn't going to support it. And the rest of America doesn't really want it anymore. So they are, they are changing before we are. So what's still happening is there's still mass incarceration. Alec can see the change coming and they're already starting to privatize the GPS systems that will lock people in and imprison them into their yeah. own neighborhoods. The American Bail Coalition. That is correct. Yeah. And, and that's another system of oppression. Right. Because... It's worse. It's worse. Because you're on bail. So anything you do, like, you're, you're being watched constantly. Well, yeah. They're, they're basically like... It's a, on parole. Yeah. But with like they're it's like house arrest. They're, they want to do house arrest. So you're you're confined to an area. You'll be watched constantly and they're going to infiltrate neighborhoods. And this is what they this is interesting. Someone a couple of people on the podcast said this throughout the course of the pod or of the sorry, the documentary said this is this is what oppression does. It evolves under your nose and you don't see it evolving. Yeah. You, you think you're progressing, but it's all it's getting worse. And this is what this does. And he says something that really bothered me and I want to just call it out. He said, and he said it so smug, like he's just the smartest person and just making everything better. He goes, what we want to do really is for these juveniles is, is to put them back at home and and really make it so their parents have to take care of them and watch out, watch them. And I was like, don't do that. Don't act like their parents are bad people and this you're simultaneously you're going to teach parents how to be yeah. parents as well as handle these horrible, terrible juvenile kids. Yep. Don't do that. That really bothers me. Like you, he's probably not a parent himself. Who knows? Maybe he is. But I was just like, how dare you? This goes back. This goes back to a lot of the um, a lot of what we were raised to believe and a lot of what white people say today is that if if the black community could just keep their families intact if the fathers could stay around. Well, if the fathers weren't being arrested at an incredible rate, maybe there'd be a chance for them 1000% to build a family unit. Or we say like just pull yourself up by your bootstraps to where? Where? Who how many black people well, and people of color are you interviewing? Exactly. Like yeah. what bootstraps? Like we black people don't own anything. Yep. They'll tell you that themselves. Like yep. we're not making efforts to hire black artists and photographers and like go to black owned businesses. Like, come on. Well, like you, like we talked about earlier and you said this to me in the car today, um, the U S incarceration, the U S makes up 25% of the world's inc- incarceration rate, which is very similar to our COVID rate. Oddly enough, uh, of those 25% in the entire world that we have, in our population, 40% of our population that's incarcerated are black males. Mm-hmm. Black males, as you said, make up 4% of our population. Six, a little over 6%. 6%. Yeah, 6% of the population. So think about that. That's insane. Just think about that. 6% of the population. How disproportionate is it is. 40% of our... It's incredible. Yeah. 
It's incredible. It, it, actually, that comes up in the documentary. That's where I, I got that because I watched this today. But yeah. so then we have this this uh, person who is from the um, the American Bail Coalition. He says at this big conference, he's he's talking up on stage and he goes, if we can help you save crime victims in your legislative oh, district. Oh, this guy sucks. You don't mind me making a dollar. And I was like, actually, sweetheart, I do. And I a don't want you. Here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's my way of not saying something worse. Uh-huh. Um, I'm like, I do mind. And I don't want you in my district. I don't want you to do any of this. Yeah. I, I want people who, who actually know what it takes to help another person yeah. to do it. Right. I don't want you to just come in and punish people. That doesn't, we know that doesn't work. So I think it becomes painfully clear that Alec is going to reinvent itself over and over and over to keep making money for its corporations. And um, prison reform is super popular. So Alec is spinning off of that and it's pushing itself into parole and bail. How do these people sleep at night to run this stuff? We just need. Like, How do they sleep at night? The thing How is. How do you lay your head down on a pillow? And just know you're right. I agree with you. But at the same time, more and more, I'm feeling like, how do we sleep at night? There is more we can do. And it is going to take people Yeah, like it's not we can't keep hitting the snooze on what's happening under our noses. We have to figure this stuff out. Yeah, that's fair. Like we have to know what Alec is doing. Yeah. Like I didn't even know about Alec. I wasn't paying attention to it. Like that's on me. And actually like at the end of this whole documentary, I wrote in my notes, but like, I'm, I'm kind of like going into this now anyways, that I just wanted to apologize because I feel like I'm late to this. Like I'm late to like, I, 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 I'm late to helping. I'm late to seeing, I'm late to accepting, believing, knowing it's true, working at change. I'm late to it. I'm sorry. I suck. Like I do. That's what I really feel like. Like, I just want to apologize to like my black friends and other friends of color. Like I'm late to this and I wish I wasn't, I wish that wasn't true, but I was. Yeah. And I'm sorry for that. I really am. So Hmm. anyway, it's powerful. Maybe we're going to talk about the companies that don't now. One of our talking heads says these companies don't want reform at all because they make so much money. So, we have this huge problem because it's just so big. And this again goes into what I was talking about that like legislation is not going to change prison reform. Like the politicians and the corporations, they work too well together. They've always been married. They're going to continue to be married. It's us. All it is, is is public pressure that can make any real change in government anymore. So here's a couple of examples of how these corporations are able to use laws to create insane financial benefits for them. One example, and I'm going to call all of these corporations out. I wrote down their names. Securus Systems, who supplies the phone calls for prisoners mm-hmm. to their families. They made $114 million in profits in 2015 off of prison phone calls, calls going out and their families having to pay that bill. The inflated, they inflated the price In Maryland, here's an example. If you earn minimum wage, you would need to work for an hour and a half to pay for a 10-minute phone call. Yeah, I I remember that part of the pod or the documentary. Crazy. Health health contracts that are made by companies like Corizon. No, I'm sorry, Corizon 
health, um, they are disincentivized to provide their actual health services to inmates because the contracts are so big and they last for so long. Corizon will get paid either way. I know. Whether they supply the medical service or not, they will get their money. So why should they? They'll make less if they do. Maggots in prison food from Aramark repeatedly in many different prisons. I just, those were some of the ones and I wanted to just say them and call these companies out. You guys, this is just piss you off. And now we learn about free labor. It's free and it is free and it is free and it is on the backs of people jailed. This is slavery. Yeah. This is slavery. This is what we talked about in the very beginning about how after um, slaves were emancipated, then we found out the whole loophole in the 13th Amendment. Unless you're incarcerated, then you can be used. And we're this still, is how it's all tied together. We're actually still doing it. Yep. And companies like Victoria's Secret, Microsoft, Boeing. Call them out. JCPenney. Call them out. I hope they go out of business. JCPenney sucks. They are having, so does Microsoft. They are having inmates create their products for free, free labor. The inmates get nothing for it. And... The only time that they move away from it is if they get bad press. That's right. it. That's it. Oh, jeez. Oh, Adam got attacked by a cat. My cat just clawed my inner thigh. That was nature's way of saying like, a little breath of air, please. <laughs> Some air. Jeez. So, so that's happening too. That's a big deal. Like there's so many things that are coming up. Like if you can just pick on to something, glom onto anything in all these things that I brought up and make it a mission for yourself. Like, Target it, find petitions to sign, like attend a protest, post on Facebook about it. Like you, you will help make change. This matters. Yeah. Again, this is how oppression finds a way. This is another, another example of oppression finding a way. Right. Right, right in 2020, right now, corporations are using, okay, this is, this came to my mind while I watched this part. We went to, we took our kids on a road trip. Uh, I think three years ago this month to Philadelphia mm-hmm. and maybe four years ago this month. No, probably only two years ago. It was not 2018. Okay. Then three, three, I think it was 2017. Okay. I'm pretty sure. And we went to Philadelphia. My uncle and aunt live there and we went to a, me and my uncle and my cousin went golfing and it's a really nice golf course. It cost me 110 bucks for 18 holes, which is, I feel like a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 120 bucks. And my uncle was like, oh, this is really cool, Adam. Um, this golf course takes inner city, inner city kids who've been arrested and teaches them golf and gives them an opportunity to, um, to work. And has them serve the white men's Literally, tea. Literally, it was so uncomfortable. These, these black boys were caddying and were bringing you drinks and it's were so awkward cleaning and like cutting the grass and weed whacking and they were free labor. And I'm like, why did I spend 120 bucks then? Why I did know. I do that? And, it's and disgusting. it was disgusting. I felt so dirty. I felt so sick after that. We talked about it on, when, when I got home. It's, it's also this idea of like, I know what's good for this entire group of people who I can really differentiate from me. Yeah. I know what's good for them. Which isn't what we do to like, why not have your own son do it? 
I know. Put your own son in there. Or why are you charging that much money then if you have free labor for everything else? Yeah. The only the only thing that a, a black kid wasn't doing was taking my money. That was it, the only thing that they weren't doing. It does not feel good. No. So next we get the story of Khalif Browder. He is a black man who gets charged with a really petty crime that he actually didn't commit. And they arrest him on the spot and said he needs to come down to the precinct and then he'll be able to go home. And he never gets to leave. No. His bail is $10,000, but his family can't afford it. So they keep him. They keep him. So at this point, this is like, this really is what I think is like the trap. This is where they laid the trap for you. They're taking their chances that you won't be able to pay your bail and get out. And then 90% of prisoners take a plea bargain, we find out. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is the prosecutor is like, hey, um, because of minimum sentencing, we're coming after you. Minimum and, sentencing laws. Ugh. And if you get convicted, just so you know, you're getting 20 years for this dumb petty crime because that's the minimum. There will be no way to get around that. So um, do you want to roll the dice or we'll just give you five years right now? And so many people are like, what? I can't take that risk. And, and they, I don't blame anybody. And they who, have a public defendant who probably doesn't care. For sure. And I, I hate to say that because there are public defense. I, I have a friend. But they're underserved. They're also they're under- underserved. Public, public defendants are also underserved. This is this is something else we could put money towards. Yeah. Let's pay public defendants who actually do a good job a better wage. My my friend is a one and she's got a billion cases. Like it's not it's not anything that a human could handle. Right. You can't spend time. You're just showing up to be like, and I've looked through your file for the last five minutes. And so, OK, I know that this is what we'll try. Right. It's so sad. So anyways, Khalif is actually like, you know what? Screw you guys, because I'm not doing that. I didn't do this. This is ridiculous to even have like arrested me for this dumb, petty crime. And I'm not going to plea out. I'm not doing that. So he is in jail for almost three, three years, almost three full years. Mm -hmm. He spends in jail. You see videotapes of him being like, attacked by other inmates and police officers is so brutal like at one point he's in handcuffs the police officers like shoving him down onto concrete and like smashing his face into the concrete with his hands yeah it's awful like over what his hands were behind his back the worst he could have done was just said something you didn't like right it's i just I, I, i can't believe like i tell my kids all the time you can't respond towards somebody with violence just because you're bigger than them and you could get away with it and and I feel like police officers do that. Yeah. Anyway, so we see this happening. This goes on for three years. His tr- as his trial's approaching, they just drop all their charges and let him out. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he dealt with so much mental illness during this time. Like mentally, it really broke him down. And he was never the same after it. And two years after he's released from jail, he hangs himself at his own home in the Bronx. I know. It's just sad. It's just it's it's brutal and pe- and people in and you're t- you one's brain who doesn't think this is that big of a deal will tend to dismiss this as a one-off but this is a allegory for what's going on yeah this shows you that yes even if someone is wrongfully arrested wrongfully perse- prosecuted and they get and they f- are found innocent that still takes a toll there's three four five six ten fifteen years of life is gone yeah. For what? I know. It's nothing we can just say, oh, well, that's hard, and but I'm glad he's out of jail. That's that's not a response. No, it's not fair. No. Are you kidding me? I'd be so pissed off if, if three 
years of my life were taken from me. Yeah. And I, I would have PTSD if I went through that. Oh, me too. I would have, I'd be terrified. Yeah. I would be terrified. And someone says, we didn't even think about the type of people we want to oversee prisons. We just threw people in there. We need people like social workers, teachers, and people who understand human behavior and know what it takes like to help people with behavioral problems, if that's even what's going on, because sometimes it's not. A lot of times it's not. And instead, we hired the opposite. And I put in my notes, hashtag defund the police. Because <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah. This is like how well would it do our system to have people who understand behavior come in and help people get back on their feet? And this is for the people who even need to get back on their feet because I firmly believe that many, many, many people who are incarcerated really don't need to be. I'm not interested in anybody being incarcerated for a petty crime. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So my, um, we, this week I shared, a, I shared an article that the Grand Rapids um, city has made a decision to run, run a trial of basically having met, um, mental health workers respond to a variety of different calls instead of yes. police. Yes. And I shared this article and I said, like, stand up Grand Rapids or whatever. Like, I was I was proud of the city for trying. And in the article, read it. They're very clear. They're like, we are trying to see if this makes a difference. Yeah. They're not saying this is the end all be all. They're not even saying this is what we're going to do. They're saying this is what we want to do to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I shared it. And then uh, someone replied and said, oh, this seems like it's going to work well and talk and shared an article that happened like same week this week where police approached a house that had a mental health, um, someone with a mental health issue and the person started shooting at the police. Yeah. As if to say like the, the point was like, this is going to go really well. And I replied to him and I said, you're proving my point because if someone has a mental health issue and he sees people that look like military, it, it walking, escalates it, the situation. It escalates it, especially what's going on with the police right now, especially the perception of the police in our society right now. What if a woman walked up to the door and said, and could handle him mm-hmm. and could understand what he was going through and say, listen, I like, I don't, I, I don't have the words. What I'm saying is what's the worst that could happen. Okay, the worst thing is she's going to get shot. Just like these cops were shot at. That's the worst that's going to happen. Or he's going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Like these cops were shot at. Best case scenario, there's no shooting mm-hmm. because she's not, or he's not going to have a gun. I think it's still this idea. The, the thing that I want to mention though, and I don't want to lose sight of is this, this idea that every case where somebody is having a mental breakdown and in their family needs help is a case where they're going to hurt somebody or kill somebody. That's not always the yeah. case. Like sometimes people need help because they're having a mental breakdown and, and nobody's getting hurt. Right. And that happens a lot. But the problem is when we call 911, you're going to be sent like an ambulance, the fire department or the police. Right. I know. If it's not a medical emergency, the ambulance is not coming. You're probably going to get the firefighters or the police in situations like that. It doesn't make sense. They're not trained for it. They're just going to try to arrest you most times and then figure out what to do with Mm -hmm. you. Because you might be breaking laws because you're having an actual mental breakdown. I just, I don't want to lose sight of that. I think people want to isolate it to like, well, what about the dangerous situation? And I'm like, sure. But what if we're creating more dangerous situations? What if that number actually would go down? We need to explore that. So now we find out some of the consequences of 
of what has been happening, these horrible laws that we've been talking about and like what the consequences of mass incarceration have. Mm-hmm. And um, one of our talking heads says like nearly 30% of the black male population in Alabama today has permanently lost their right to vote because of criminal conviction, incarcerated or not. Permanently. You hit Florida last week or week and a half ago where they tried to get um, people who had been previously a felon and been out of jail mm-hmm. and um, the Supreme Court shot it down that they should be allowed to vote and they can't vote. That's crazy. It's crazy. Then we shouldn't ever talk about rehab or anything like that. No, it's just ridiculous. They're not citizens anymore. They're, no, they're not. They've, they've taken your right to a great life away. They've really tried to take that away from you. Yeah. There's no forgiveness. There's no rebuilding it. There's no actual paying your debt. It's a debt that will never be paid and you'll never stop paying it. Mm -hmm. You can't pay it. Prison is just the first phase. Right. So enter the politicians who see the new gateway to getting your vote. Talking heads are telling us now we have to ask ourselves. And I love this. I just thought this was so poignant. We have to ask ourselves, do we feel comfortable with people taking the lead in a conversation in a movement and a moment where it feels right politically, i.e. Hillary Clinton. Are we comfortable with her taking like the lead in Black Lives Matter? Are we comfortable with people who have been quiet? Politicians. Now, all of a sudden, like gung-ho, I don't think we should be. Yeah. I think that should worry us. If this is the first time you've said it, I think it's because it's trendy. Right. Maybe we need somebody new. Because yeah. we already know what you think. Yeah. Sweetheart. That was for you, Adam. <laughs> we should, the title of this should be Sweetheart. Sweetheart. Beth has a lot of sweethearts. The next podcast we do should be called Sweetheart. Hello, Sweetheart. Um, And we have Trump at his rallies talking about the good old days and yeah. how he loves those days where the law was swift to act and if you protested, you, you'd you be carried out on a stretcher. And he'd like to punch people in the face and law and order. And he would tell people, like, if you punch that guy, I'll, defend, I'll pay for your legal fees. He said that in a rally one time. It's insane. He's, he is scum. He's literal scum. Pond scum. There's just, He's there, the scum that lives on the bottom of the toad's belly who died at the end of the so bottom of the pond. Here's the other part of this, Beth. is like people that vote for him now. Like, how do you... People, the, the first time I get it, you vote for Trump the first time, totally get it. There's a lot of reasons why you would want to, and there's, like, I get why, but now, can you, people that vote for Trump in 2020 after what we've seen the last four years? I I, I don't know. I, I know, I mean, a lot of people I know are able to, like, just single issue it all the way down to, um like, a pro-life vote. They're able to isolate everything else. Or, you know, they, they say like, well, I love, I just love his, you know, but here's the his, thing. his economic but here's policy. The thing. And I'm like, he doesn't have policy, you guys. Nothing is really, I mean, this isn't, this isn't a There's person no who policy. could ever articulate his policy. But here's the thing. In the first years of his presidency, they had all, they had the House, the Senate, and the, the executive office. They had all three. And Trump mm-hmm. got to appoint two Supreme Court justices and they still couldn't get abortion laws passed. They still can't do it. Right. So why? Like, you're going to play pro-life. Nothing's changed with pro-life. Things are the same. I know. You just. <sighs> Moving on. Yeah. Let's not get into the pro-life thing. But I think that's what a lot. I think that a lot of people and maybe that's not really the only issue. They probably do like a lot of these other issues that keep America the way that they're comfortable in it. But pro-life is a real easy scapegoat for a lot of people. Right. 
or it is the thing that they single-handedly care about. Anyway, we also find out that the lifetime, this, this really got me, the lifetime likelihood of imprisonment for white men, and this bothered me hearing this, the lifetime likelihood of imprisonment for white men is one in 17. And I was like, that's high. That, that, yes, that's high. I was like, that bothers me. Like, that means that there's many communities where people know several people they're close to that, that end up in prison, several white men. And I was like that, like that, Jacksonville. I don't want that for our country. Right. And then I hear the next thing is that for black men, it's one in three. <laughs> I don't, I laugh out of like, it's just insane. The numbers are insane to think about it. It. I don't, I'm not going to use my words. There's no words for it. I don't need words for right. this. It, this is like a heart thing. If that doesn't like make your eyes fill up with tears and really like hurt you in your heart, I, I, I can't make it any more plain or clear. Yeah. That should bother you. It bothered me to hear that I'm white. It bothered me to hear that white men are locked up at, as a, at a one in 17 rate. That hurt, that hurt me. I was like, I don't want to see people locked up like crazy. You get one shot at life. Some people are spending 30 years in prison. Like, listen, if you did something horrible, you deserve it. If you killed somebody, bye, Felicia. Spend your time. Yeah, like, I have no time for you, and you deserve every ounce of what you get. But the people that are in there for, like, less than that, I just... That bothers me a lot. It, it, It just doesn't seem like a solution. Yeah. And, um, we hear somebody say that now we have more black people under criminal supervision than all the slaves in the 1950s. The criminality clause in the 13th amendment can be used as a tool for people who wish to benefit from it. And guess what? There are jerks who will totally do that. Right. (sighs) And we finished out the documentary with a correlation between riots and police brutality. Visual, visual, visual. Yes. And we can go back to Emmett Till all the way to the, yeah, to, to the, Emmett Till. to the fifties and the sixties yep. and, and see that, that these things were so closely yep. tied. There was this brutalization and dehumanization of black people repeatedly. And they took it and took it and took it. And then there's a point where it's like, you have, you have just crossed the line. It's too far. Right. Yep. But the, what's sad is that, that, that they have, we've given them no choice. They continue to absorb so much until they can't. But even with their pressure for change comes another form of brutalization. They're, they're weighing so many things all the time with all their choices. Yeah. I mean, rioting protesting those come with their own forms of brutalization right uh, and i think and they say this to the this is the brilliance of black lives matter is that there's there's no address there's no leader right there's because the like mlk assassinated malcolm x assassinated robert kennedy assassinated like you know you can you can get rid of people that are saying uh that that are that are preaching a directive and are preaching a mission but with black lives matter which also uses visual things that we see like george floyd if george floyd's death Mm -hmm. isn't on camera do we have any of this if emmett till's casket's not open do we talk about emmett till today 
But you know what? We don't. I agree with you. It's visual. It's seeing it. I agree with you. There is a shocking thing about it. Um, but I, I really loved at the end of the, at the end of the documentary, they show all of these, um, wrongful deaths of these, these black men who were killed unjustly by police. And it, it was always like, it was either police for excessive force, which none of them are good, but that just was, that's just really hard to read as like your cause of death or being shot. Um, and it says like with their family's permission, they show this. And I just appreciated so much because if m- that were my loved one, I-, I mean, I'm seeing so much now about like, I don't really want my loved one to be a hashtag. Like it's a, we- that's another weird dehumanization of this person that I knew and loved. And they're part of this movement. And I'm happy to like, have the movement be happening, but like my person died for that. And my person is sensationalized in a way. True. But like my point to that would be that, um, you know, from Emmett Till through George Floyd Mm -hmm. through Breonna Taylor, Mm -hmm. like it took like, you know, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee four years ago and he still doesn't have a job, but now everybody in every league is taking a knee. Even Mm -hmm. in Europe, they're taking Mm -hmm. knees. Mm Mm-hmm. The Redskins, Washington Redskins, are changing their name mm-hmm. because of because of what happened to George Floyd. But it's not just George Floyd; it's all of them compounded upon each other. Like right. it was George Floyd was the last straw on a on a on a haystack of straws, right? And I get I get what you're saying, but like and unfortunately, this is it's taken these lives to change where we're at. With, sure. Without those lives, without us knowing their names, nothing would change. I know, but but. <laughs> I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it or that it's not important or that it hasn't had incredible impact. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I appreciated that they said we we reached out to these families to find this out first, because I can tell you right now that if that was my daughter or my son and, and it was like, Hey, I know this is hard to have this like all over the internet and people saying like he deserved it. Like would in a way, like, wouldn't it be easier to have to deal with George Floyd's death as his wife or, or child or, or parent without having to hear people be like, yeah, but he deserved it. Yeah. But those cops were like, I'm more concerned about those cops or blue lives matter. Every time somebody, when that was like your kid, right? Like there is a part of that that is taken from these families and they have to, be part of being like brutalized over and over and over again. When people say terrible things about your person who was brutally killed, that he deserved it because he, you know, was used a counterfeit $20 bill and, or he was, he was a robber, whatever. A cokehead, some would say. But like, my point is like, that'd be very hard for me to see somebody I loved that much their death on camera and just getting shared and clicked on shared and clicked on. It'd be hard for me to see them as a trending hashtag. Like, Oh, of course, of course it'd be hard. I'm just saying like, don't lose there. There's an ongoing suffering that these families are going through and giving to for, for the rest of us to learn 
something from, and that's also not right. Right. Like those families are continuing to suffer at a much greater cost for me to learn more. Right. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's on me. Like that's part of like the stuff that had me coming to like this apology where it's like, there's just so many levels and layers and like I'm working through it as best I can and I'm not perfect by any stretch, but like that's another layer for me is like, how would I feel like there's a risk and reward issue that they're yeah. trying to weigh out while they grieve somebody. Right. right. The, the last thing that I, the last line of the documentary said, I know this is really good. said, if I was, he says, people say, if I was living during the civil rights movement, I would have never tolerated this. And he goes, you are living through the civil rights movement right now. Yeah. And what we are can, you? And we can see. Oh, yeah. Totally. Well, the question is, what are you tolerating? Yeah, exactly. If you're one of those all lives matter people, like you suck because you're missing the point. Yeah. And I hate to say it in those terms, but you are like all lives matter is not the response to black lives matter. No. If you don't, if, if you're, we, if, we already know that white lives matter. We see it yeah. played out every and single day. If you're not, and I had a conversation with a friend who's black yesterday and we talked about this. He's like, if you're not saying something, if you believe in your heart that this is wrong and you're not saying something on whatever platform you have, then that's wrong too. Yeah. He's like, I don't want people to just say it's my time to listen. You've had your whole life to listen and you haven't right. like this is, if you believe this is wrong, you need to use your voice because you'll either empower people or you'll. Or you'll lose friends. Mm-hmm. And we have. Yeah. We like have. We've lost a lot of friends in the last six months. Yes. A ton. Most of them. We have. Well, it's just yeah. true. We have. Yeah. We live in the Midwest. So like locally. Maybe we just, we, like we've local. lost a lot of local friends, which is fine. But like Beth and I have no problem saying we think this is wrong. We think black lives matter. We don't. We think there's such thing as white privilege. And here's why we believe it. And if, also the fact that we believe that the coronavirus is real, you know, which is a thing like, yeah. you know, it's that's our, bothering. some that's friends really call it a shamdemic and, you know, not the point. But like we are living in we are still living in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. We, it looks different than it did in the 1960s, but we are still living in it. And so the question to you is, what are you going to do about it? If you don't care, then just say you don't care and mm-hmm. live your life. If you care. Say you care and show how you care and tell your friends you care because I guarantee you there's people that say are going to say you're crazy. There's people that are going to say I'm with you and those people will start to speak up too. Mm-hmm. Word. I mean, I like that ending. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to do 10 more episodes for sure. Next and one coming soon. Just to be very, very clear. This is a call to action. You guys do yeah. something. Say something. Do post something. something once a day. Yeah. If the very least you do is like you can hashtag like search yep. a hashtag and repost. Yep. You could just do that. Like do something. Like Beth has only posted social justice stuff the last two months. Probably I've started posting my food pics again, but I will interject them with social justice causes. <laughs> like I was making a glazer day and I was like, quick aside, Brianna's Taylor, Brianna Taylor's murders are still are yeah. at Chili's right now. It was good. Back to the glaze. Back to the glaze. Also, Derek Chauvin, who killed George Floyd over a twenty dollar counterfeit bill, counterfeit bill, uh, turns out he's behind twenty four grand in taxes for lying about his income. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That's counterfeit money. 
right yeah, there. Totally. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Beth, nice work tonight. Thanks, you too. Guys, watch this documentary. Thanks watch for it. listening. We love you guys. Give us some love um, on Apple Podcasts if you can. Tell a friend about us. See you next week. Bye.